Hi, I'm Matt. Welcome to Ink Spots. Normally a book review podcast, except for this time I'll be deconstructing the narrative of The Last of Us Part 2. Now, I know this is a video game, and this is supposed to be a book review podcast. I don't intend for this to be a regular thing, but I've just experienced one of the most bold and interesting narratives that I've encountered in any media form, and I just have to get some thoughts out about it. Before I go any further, though, I want to say that there will be spoilers for both The Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2. I'm calling this a deconstruction rather than a review because I really want to dig deep into the narrative and explore what the developers, Naughty Dog, have to say with this game. So if you have any interest in playing these games and experiencing the narrative fresh, you probably want to stop and come back later. I should also mention that I will only be discussing the narrative. The only time I'll be bringing up actual gameplay is when it directly relates to the story being told. So a quick recap of The Last of Us Part 1. The plot is about as cliched as it comes. Zombies have come. Our characters have the only chance to find a vaccine. They have to reach the scientists who can create the cure. But the story told within the plot is one of love and loss, a slow softening of the heart, and ultimately selfishness that overrides true love. The story begins with Joel's loss of his daughter at the very beginning of the outbreak of the contagion. The story flashes forward to a grizzled and bitter Joel eking out a survival in Boston as a smuggler. The plot really kicks off when Joel is reluctantly drawn into a plot to smuggle a young girl named Ellie to a group of doctors working with a resistance group called the Fireflies. The Fireflies believe that Ellie's the key to finding a cure. Like I said, it's not a groundbreaking plot, but it's a masterfully woven story. The story is so perfectly executed with Joel and Ellie slowly learning more about each other and growing closer until Ellie gradually becomes something of a surrogate daughter. This makes up the bulk of the game. It's a simple plot with a lovely story of bonding beautifully told. Until the end. The ending to The Last of Us Part 1 is where the creators pull out a doozy of an ending. Joel and Ellie make it to the Fireflies and doctors who are searching for the cure. But Joel learns that the procedure the surgeons want to do will kill Ellie. This brings up some fascinating moral questions. For one, it's pretty clear that the doctors didn't get permission from either Joel or Ellie to proceed with the surgery that would take Ellie's life. And there's no guarantee that a vaccine would result from the procedure, or if it could be manufactured in any meaningful quantity. Joel, when he hears about what the doctors plan to do, freaks out. He takes his weapons and cuts through the doctor's guards, the fireflies, and breaks into the surgery room moments before the procedure is about to begin. And Joel kills the medical staff who are in the operating room. And this is the moment when it becomes clear that video games have something to offer the art of narrative storytelling that is unique to the medium. I've mentioned before that stories act as a sort of mirror for us, to see reflections of ourselves. This allows us to connect and empathize with the characters. I think it's part of the reason that stories are so meaningful to us. And the ending of part one does something special. And to properly explain, I need to set the scene just a little bit more. You see, when Joel bursts into the operating room, Ellie is laying sedated on the operating table with three medical staff surrounding her. 
The surgeon, upon seeing Joel enter with his weapons drawn, picks up a scalpel, waving it at Joel. But the other two cower in the corner. However, the surgeon who wields the scalpel doesn't attack Joel at all. While he holds the scalpel, pointing it at Joel, he makes no attempt to move forward or aggressively attack Joel. The game makes it very clear the surgeon is being defensive towards his intruder. I add this detail because the game forces the player who is controlling Joel to kill all three. You must kill all three. You can't advance the story, you can't free Ellie, you can't knock him out, and you can't just kill the scalpel-wielding surgeon. The game forces you to kill the other two medical staff as well. I didn't want to kill the doctors, but I had to. Anecdotally, many players report similar feelings. And I think this mirrors Joel's feelings in the game. I think it's a fascinating moment because the game forces the interaction of the player. It essentially forces the player to pull the trigger, whether they want to or not. And I do think that there is something different to the experience when a reader or viewer observes a character perform a horrific action, and when a character is forced by the game's designers to participate. At the very least, I think it has the potential to increase the connection between player and character, and it's this connection to the character's emotions, thoughts, and actions that allow us to empathize with them, to feel what they feel. I believe that the game's developers, Naughty Dog, want the player to get that feeling of, I have to do this even though I don't want to. And I think it's a piece of brilliant storytelling. It's a difficult situation, and I don't know if Joel was morally right or not. The Fireflies not getting consent from Ellie makes me question their moral legitimacy, as the Fireflies are acting on the principle of ends justifying the means. Even if that means finding a cure might mean killing Ellie. And while I see their reasoning, I don't agree with it. But at the same time, Joel goes on a rampage through the hospital the Fireflies are stationed in, killing dozens of Fireflies and the three medical staff. I don't think Joel was totally justified either. It's not a black and white situation. But I do feel safe saying that Joel's decision was a selfish one, and not an act of selflessness. One of the reasons I say this is because after Joel has whisked Ellie away from the Fireflies, she confronts Joel and asks him to tell the truth, and he doesn't. He lies to Ellie. And I think Joel does this because deep down, he feels like what he did was for him and not for her. He couldn't lose another daughter. Joel couldn't bear the psychological trauma of losing Ellie. So he decided to do whatever it would take to keep Ellie safe, no matter the cost. I bring up part one because the ending is important to part two's plot, theme, and storytelling. So, The Last of Us Part 2 starts with our pair of protagonists from Part 1, Joel and Ellie living life in Jackson. And the story starts off with small town drama. A kiss at a dance, a brawl outside, comparatively small stuff. And Jackson feels homey and cozy and pleasant, and I just felt really happy for Joel and Ellie because they had seemed to find some kind of community in a home. The story continues when Tommy, Joel, Ellie, Jesse, and Dina all go out on patrol. And then there's a switch in perspective. We then follow Abby for a brief moment. And it's a fascinating decision because I think it's meant for us to absolutely hate Abby rather than build any kind of perspective or sympathy with her. So as you're playing Abby, you find out that she and a small group of friends have traveled to Jackson to find and kill a certain man. And after a few gameplay scenes, the player ends up on the run from a horde of infected, saved at the last minute by Joel and Tommy. In a desperate moment and sensing that a fortuitous moment may have fallen in Abby's lap, 
she leads Joel and Tommy to her waiting friends at a nearby lodge. Now, we as the player get several different perspectives, and we know that Abby and her friends are hunting Joel, but she was also just saved by him. Might this be a moment of revelation and life-for-a-life type deal? No. Abby shoots Joel's knee with a shotgun while the others restrain Tommy. And I really believe that this is meant to inspire loathing in the player for Abby. She just kneecapped a beloved character right after that beloved character had saved her life. Such an ingrate. But the game goes farther. Abby grabs a golf club and begins to mercilessly beat Joel. We then switch perspectives again and play once more as Ellie, who goes out searching for Joel when he is missing on patrol. We, as Ellie, end up at the lodge just in time to see Joel, bloodied, laying in front of Abby. Ellie begs for Joel's life, but Abby ends it. This is a brutal, heartbreaking scene for the characters, but also for the player. The Last of Us Part 1 was a fan favorite from the last console generation, and I really believe that most fans thought that Part 2 would be a true father-daughter adventure in the wasteland. To have Joel killed within the opening hours of the game, not to mention brutally tortured and murdered by someone he had just helped, well, that's a lot. If you wanted to prime the player for a revenge story, I don't think you could do better than this. Naughty Dog has set up Abby as the villain of the story and set the people of Jackson on the warpath. And that's what Ellie's story basically is. A revenge-fueled three days tearing through post-apocalyptic Seattle. Jesse and Tommy, Ellie and Dina set out in separate groups to avenge Joel. And there's some great character work done by Naughty Dog as Ellie explores Seattle. Ellie and Dina especially are some fantastic characters who really shine and their relationship is so real with moments of sweetness and concern. In some ways, the plot of part two feels like the inverse of part one. Part one felt like a tightly told but ultimately fairly generic zombie story, albeit with a brilliant and controversial twist at the end. Part two feels like it starts with this controversial twist and transitions into a pretty standard revenge plot story. It boils down to Ellie trying to kill Abby to get revenge for Joel. Simple. Except that it isn't. Naughty Dog does something that I honestly never would have seen coming. So, to set the scene a bit, Ellie has eliminated most of Abby's friends, but hasn't been able to locate Abby herself. We get hints and clues to Abby's location as we kill her friends, but nothing solid. The last kill really gets to Ellie. She ends up on her knees, retching doubled over as if in pain herself. She walks back to the safe haven she has set up with Dina in an old abandoned theater. A few cutscenes later, Ellie walks to the lobby with Jesse to see Abby standing over a fallen Tommy. Abby shoots and kills Jesse and threatens to kill Tommy if Ellie doesn't give herself up, which she does. And just as we watch Abby raise her gun to shoot Ellie, it cuts to black. And when we resume the story, we're playing as Abby several years in the past. And it's just insane to me that Naughty Dog would cut to a flashback in the climactic moment of Ellie's story. And it very clearly is the climax of Ellie's story, at least as I would have suspected. Everything leads the player to believe that you've hit the final leg of the game's story. But there's basically an entire another game stapled onto the end, which consists of the same three days in Seattle, but from Abby's perspective. What I thought was the end was really only the midpoint. I basically had another game to play from Abby's point of view. And that is a bold move. So while Ellie was doing the standard revenge plot over her three days stint in Seattle, Abby has her own separate adventure. And I want to point a few things out about Abby's journey in Seattle. But before I do that, I want to touch on some of the themes of the story and unpack it a little bit. The beating heart of this game is the act of engaging with the other, 
as in people who are not part of an in-group. The game has some powerful things to say about tribalism and the effect that it has on our perspectives and the hatred that can fester between those who see each other as the other, as separate from themselves. There are several distinct in-groups or tribes in the game. There's the people from Jackson, there's the Washington Liberation Front or the Wolves, there's the Seraphites or Scars, and finally the Rattlers come in at the end. And each group has its own set of rules and expectations. But engaging and encountering those outside of ourselves is what brings connection and empathy. We see this through Abby and Lev's relationship as well as at the end of the game. Abby's preconceived ideas of the Seraphites, or Scars as she derogatorily calls them for most of the game, cracks and eventually shatters through her interactions with Lev. Lev, too, has experience with the hatred and malevolence that a tribe can cast on those outside its bounds. Lev is trans, and the Seraphites roundly reject Lev. An ultra-religious group discriminating against the LGBTQ community has obvious real-world comparisons. Abby and Lev form a friendship because they help each other. A brief moment when they see each other as more than a stranger. To truly encounter another person, to see their humanity, brings with it empathy, compassion, and respect. That is precisely what Naughty Dog is asking the player to do when it gives the player Abby as their character to play. You can't passively sit by and watch as Abby progresses through her story. You must treat her the same way you treated Ellie. If you want the game to continue, that is. You have to fight to protect yourself and Abby's friends. You have to scrounge and survive. You have to watch Abby interact with her friends and dogs. You have to experience Abby's awkward love triangle. You have to see parts of Abby's past that add motivation and justification, at least in her mind, to her actions. In other words, you have to see Abby as a human being. And that is the most challenging aspect of the game. To accept someone who has done monstrous things and see them as more than a target of hate. The game is asking you, the player, to do the same thing as Ellie in the game. To take your hatred of Abby and to let it go. Which brings us to the conclusion of Abby and Ellie's story. When Ellie is fighting Abby, drowning her, and she flashes back to Joel, she and Joel are standing outside alone on a porch. And Ellie says that she might not ever be able to forgive Joel for what he did. This wasn't a moment of absolution. I really think that Ellie despised Joel for what he did to the Fireflies and Doctors at the end of part one. But I think she hated Joel because he lied to her. And what is going on in this scene is the beginning of healing that relationship. Ellie lets her hate for Joel go. Maybe for the first time ever, she sees Joel as he really is with all of his faults. And though she hasn't forgiven him yet, she has taken the first step toward that with letting go. That is what happens with Ellie and Abby. When Ellie lets Abby go, I don't think there's forgiveness. But I think Ellie realizes that letting go of her hate is the only thing that will bring her any kind of peace. And it reminds me a little bit of the ending of The Last of Us Part 1. When Naughty Dog didn't give the player a choice to kill or spare the doctors, the developers were trying to put the player in the same position of the character to enhance your connection to them. Joel felt like he had no choice. The player had no choice. If Ellie wants to find peace, she's going to have to let go of her hate and pursuit of revenge. The player has to do this as well through literally walking in Abby's shoes. The game forces the player to create a connection with Abby. In an article in GQ, the writer-director Neil Druckmann said, quote, I was like, oh, we can make the player feel that. 
We can make you experience this thirst for revenge, this thirst for retribution and having you actually like commit the acts of finding it and then showing you the other side to make you regret it, to make you feel dirty for everything you've done in the game, making you realize I'm actually the villain of the story, unquote. Naughty Dog has been using the medium to enhance the feelings of the audience to find new ways for them to connect to the characters. I also want to take a moment to talk about justice and revenge and the differences between the two because I think it helps inform how we are supposed to read the ending of Ellie's story at the farm. I would say that justice is getting what you deserve. It's a simple definition, but I think it's true. If you commit a crime, a proportional punishment is deserved. Justice becomes revenge when that justice is sought at too high a cost or when the punishment is disproportionate to the crime. Stealing a candy bar from a storm deserves a punishment, sure, but it must be proportional. Storming the nation's capital deserves a punishment proportional to the crime as well. That's justice. To bring this to The Last of Us Part 2, Abby is seeking justice for her dad's death, and I do think it's justice until she begins to torture Joel. The torture is way out of proportion to Joel's crime of killing her dad. And on a side note, I think torture is always out of proportion and is never justified. Abby takes her pursuit of justice too far. And we see the ramifications. Abby and her friends are clearly traumatized by what they did and witnessed in Jackson. So much that all of them, Abby included, are struggling with PTSD-like symptoms. LA2 pays a heavy toll when she leaves Dina and JJ for one last chance to find Abby in California. I would argue that the cost is too high. She's quite literally abandoning her family in order to seek out Abby. Part of the story is about how revenge is bad, yes, but it's also about the cost of revenge. Specifically, that revenge is a Shakespearean needful things exchange. Revenge requires sacrifice, often of yourself, but sometimes of those around you. Revenge is a sort of perversion or corruption of justice. Where justice is giving someone what they are due, Revenge is much more of a forceful snatching away, and revenge doesn't lead to peace. It can't fill the hole that is left by violence. It cannot end this cycle. Revenge, in fact, causes more trauma, and not just to those who are seeking revenge, but to those around them too. I imagine that Ellie leaving the farm was a very traumatic experience for both Dina and JJ. The trauma from revenge are like ripples from a stone being cast into the water that radiate out, touching all those nearby. In Ellie's case, I certainly believe there's mental and emotional trauma, but she also physically loses two of her fingers, which plays a part in the ending of her story. See, there's a point being made with an ambiguous ending that leaves things open to interpretation. The point of ambiguous endings is to force engagement with the metaphorical or the subtext. It's the creator's way of forcing us to grapple with the symbolism in the story. When we see Ellie return to the farm, the camera focuses and lingers on her two missing fingers, the literal piece of her that's missing. But I think it's meant to represent all that she has lost in her pursuit of Abby. Jesse, her relationship with Dina and JJ, her own mental health. Ellie's pursuit of revenge has cost her dearly. As she wanders the abandoned house, she finds Joel's guitar with the moth on it. The song that Ellie tries to play at the farm is Future Days, which is established as an important symbol of Ellie and Joel's relationship early in the game. She can't play the song because of her missing fingers. She leaves the guitar by the window as she leaves the farm. Now, I don't think Ellie is abandoning Joel, but leaving behind her lust for revenge and any bitterness towards Joel that might remain. 
I'll also remind you that their relationship is marred by Joel's deception and selfishness from the end of part one. A key line from the Future Days song says, quote, If I ever were to lose you, I'd surely lose myself, unquote. While I'm sure this is meant in a loving way by Joel, I believe in context you can read some of the possessiveness that Joel has. The selfishness that underpins Joel's inability to imagine a life without Ellie there. And I don't necessarily blame him for feeling that way. I don't think we're supposed to see Joel as evil, just flawed. And when Joel died, Ellie was left with a hole that she tried to fill with revenge. Revenge was her fuel. It's what drove her like a moth to a flame. Again, I'll quote writer-director Neil Druckmann about the importance of the moth as a symbol in the game. Quote, There's this idea of obsession and being drawn to a light and constantly pursuing this thing. It represents this relationship she has with Joel to her old life, he said. Unquote. Ellie allows the desire to get back at Abby to override everything else, like an addiction or obsession. It wasn't until the end when she finally let go of her hate that she realizes what she lost. When she lost Joel, she lost herself. She was willing to throw everything in her life away to kill Abby. Ellie realizes that her obsession with killing Abby has cost her. That Joel's inability to let Ellie go wasn't so different than how she was acting towards Abby. When she returns to the farm, she can no longer play Future Days because of her missing fingers. And she leaves the moth guitar behind. She has let go of her hate toward Abby. She has let go of her obsession to avenge Joel. Ellie is no longer chained as a moth to the flame. She's found her freedom. She's found her peace. Before I sign off, a little housekeeping. I'll be back to reviewing novels soon. I'm currently reading Altered Carbon, the cyberpunk novel by Richard Morgan, which will be my next review. I'll provide links to the articles I took quotes from if you want to read them yourselves. And I'll also link a YouTube video from the channel Folded Ideas about the movie Annihilation and metaphorical readings of text. It's one of my favorite video essays, and it informed a lot of my reading of the end of The Last of Us Part 2. I will also take a brief moment to mention that if you like The Last of Us Part 2, you'll probably like the movie Annihilation 2. It's a brilliant tale of existential dread, loss, and depression. You'll love it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs>